About a year ago now, we were not in this same place or position and, and standing up here, it just warms my heart to see a room full of people ready to worship God. And I remember sitting here, we, we would have a few meetings as a staff and we would choose the sanctuary as a place to do that because it was the biggest space on campus and we could spread out and, and have conversations and accomplish whatever we needed to and it just didn't feel the same when you were in a room that was not meant to be empty. And so coming back, standing here, seeing all these faces that I recognize, it's just a really good feeling. And there were moments during the year last year where we didn't really know exactly when this day would come and if it ever would, would come. And so here we are and, and it's just a good, a good feeling and a good place to be in knowing that the church of God, this space, is now full with the people that we love. Our prayer today is, is with intention, at least it's mine, is maybe this is your first time back to church after a little bit over a year and may it be a restart for you maybe it's a, a, a new beginning for you to get reconnected back with Forest Lake Church whether it's in a specific area of ministry or a recommitment may you use this for that to happen but that you may be connected with us and our prayer is that this community this church serves you well that it serves our community well and that you find your place in whatever area that may be. A few months back, Pastor Mark, he spoke a little bit on what warehouse community was and, and the warehouse um, project, as you heard in the prayer that we are doing. Um, Pastor Mark, myself, and Pastor Justin have kind of been diligently working on that. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Juan. I'm the young adult pastor here at Forest Lake Church. People have asked me, what is young adult? Well, when I first got here, it was 18 to 35. And somehow every year that passes, that 35 goes to like 38 and 40, 45. So there is no end to my young adult ministry and what we do and all are welcome. Uh, there is no age categories in heaven. So what we do here, we do things together, but I do serve the young adults. And through that ministry, uh, what started was Upper Room. And that was a, a service, a gathering once a month for anyone of any age, but it was started by young adults. And, and what, we'll, what we'll hear more about is what it turned into, which is the warehouse project slash warehouse community. So Pastor Mark, myself, and Pastor Justin have kind of been really honing in on what that looks like. And as you know, we no longer have three services that meet here. We still have three. We have the two services that meet here and our third service, which is Warehouse Community, an extension of the Forest Lake Church. And we have really been honing in on what that looks like and what God is calling Forest Lake, Forest Lake Church to in that specific realm. So Pastor Mark gave a little introduction as to what we were, what we were doing and what last year moved us into as a church and it began with a question and that question if I were to ask it to many of you who are lifelong church attendees you might have a, a an answer you know what it's not 
And maybe if you're new to church, you may have an answer that may not be like the one who's the lifelonger. But this question is what has been driving us this whole year. It led us to a specific book in the Bible. And we have been really wrestling with this specific question. And, and as a whole, not only at Warehouse Community, but here on this campus as well. And that question is, what is church? To some of you, you may say, well, it's the building that we're sitting in. To others, it's the experience of coming together and worshiping. None of those are wrong, but it doesn't end there. What is church? That has been driving us every day in prayer and in scripture and God and asking God, what have you defined this to be? Because last year, if we defined church as coming together in this space, it didn't exist. If church was simply the coming together in this building and worshiping for an hour, then church was non-existent in many of our lives. But we believe that God led us to the book of Acts to, read, to, to just look at the early church and see what it is that they did and how it begun and what we would soon find out that it wasn't only just a meeting place. So what we did is we started this idea of warehouse rhythms. We all have rhythms, we all have patterns that we get used to and that we get comfortable in. Some are good and some aren't. And we're gonna get into a little bit about what rhythms look like for warehouse and how maybe not so comfortable it is for some, but it's very challenging. And all of this led us to the book of Acts. And we're gonna be in the book of Acts 1, specifically in verse four, if you have your Bibles. You can open them to, to there. Acts 1, starting in chapter 4. It says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this the day, is this the time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So what we have here, setting up a little bit of the context, is Jesus giving the disciples their final instruction as to what they are supposed to be doing next. He served his time, he's been crucified, he rose again, he appears, and he's, now he's going back with his father. And he says, but before I leave, I have something to tell you, final instructions. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time remembering things, especially when my wife will ask me to take one of my daughters to the pediatrician. She's like, ask this, make sure that you find out what that thing on her foot is and, 
and what, what she's doing at night and make sure you ask about this medication and if we should give her this. And I'm like, I got it, it's all in here, we're good. Once I get there, forgot it all. Cannot relay the message. And then I'll go home and she's like, so what did they say? And I'm like, about what? <laughs> I've learned since then to open my notes app on my phone, make sure that I have a detailed list and ask the questions. Because in my head, I'm like, they're fine. They'll be okay. Like, it'll heal itself. Like, we're good. But I forget to relay the information that I'm supposed to. And I can only imagine in this very moment, the disciples, they have walked with Jesus for three years. He was, he was their backbone. He was their foundation. They could see him and connect. And whenever there was questions or doubt, or they just didn't know what to do, they could go back to Jesus. They could access him because he was there. They saw him do miracles, signs, and wonders. And now the very thing that they knew that was true was now gone. And Jesus says, not only am I going to leave, but I'm gonna command you to do something which is kind of strange. I'm gonna ask you to wait. For three years, Jesus was it. He was their reality. He's the one that pulled them out of their families, their jobs, and said, follow me, and they were all in. And then he just leaves. Now, he had been alluding to this moment, and I think the disciples just didn't want to deal with that, so they just didn't pay much attention to those specific words. And so I imagine in this moment there was some anxiety, some stress, so what, what do we do now? The one thing that we knew is gone. And he says, now you must wait. Not only am I going to disturb your reality, I'm going to cause you, ask you to be still. The season of stillness. As humans, we don't like the idea of waiting. Our culture hasn't helped it at all. Amazon, you can order something and get it the same day. There used to be days where you'd order a product online and it was like you were waiting for Christmas morning, waiting for that gift, waiting for that package, and all that is gone. You order something, you expect it that day or in two days as they promise, that you get whatever it is that you ordered. Our culture hasn't allowed us to learn to wait, to be in the stillness. More than a few years ago, I bought a car from a friend. At the time, he was, he was an acquaintance. And I haven't been to the DMV in a long time, but this was probably six years ago. And I remember we had to go there because he had to transfer the title into my name. And so I made a reservation online, and I said, we're good, we don't have to wait. You're laughing because you've been to the DMV. <laughs> I make my reservation, and I go in with my acquaintance, and they say, grab a ticket. But I'm like, I made a reservation, grab a ticket. So I grab my ticket. And I don't know what it is, but I think the DMV searches the internet for the most uncomfortable chairs ever made, and they put them in there. Now, if you work there, no offense to you, that's just my experience. 
But I remember sitting in this uncomfortable chair, kind of, they're like plastic, so you're sliding forward, and I'm next to this acquaintance that I don't know that well, and I'm trying to make conversation, and one hour passes, and we've run out of things to talk about. Now we're looking around the room, and there's nothing much to look at. Two hours pass, and we've got things to do. Finally, about two and a half hours, close to three, they call our number, and we get there, and I forget to bring proof of address. So I can't get the title. I was not prepared for when my time came. In my waiting, I did not prepare. I did get the title eventually, we got it sorted out, but that time was not one that I felt comfortable in. I was anxious. I was ready to be done. My patience was tested. My daughter Adeline, she does not like to wait on anything. She asks for something. If you tell her to wait, she gets upset. She wants things to happen right away. And she'll even predict, you're going to tell me to wait, aren't you? I'm like, well, I have things to do. I'm holding another, your, your daughter, your sister in my, in my arms. I got to do one thing or another. She doesn't like it. She's, it's not in our DNA to like, to learn, to wait. See, because waiting, the stillness, the idea of pausing requires things of us that just aren't in our nature. They require us to have a little bit of faith. Faith in something, someone, whatever the, the situation is, that something is going to happen and it's out of our control. If it was in our control, we wouldn't have to wait. We'd get it done. The waiting requires patience. Some of us have a problem with patience in certain situations. Some things test us. Maybe it's with the idea of control and we have to give it to someone else and we're not patient enough so we want to just get something accomplished. But the stillness being in the waiting requires us to anticipate something. The waiting requires a heart that is ready to receive. What does that look like? Some of us, we love to endlessly talk about the good old days. Well, back in the good old days, things were different. We did things this way. There wasn't all this complicated stuff. I didn't have to deal with locking my doors at night. My kids could play outside. We talk about the good old days while others talk about the someday. Someday I'm gonna have my dream job. Someday I'm gonna find the love of my life. Someday I'm gonna be a millionaire. I'm gonna be the next, next Elon Musk. We live in the, in, the, in the past and in the future because we don't want to deal with our present situation. We don't like the idea of being still and being in the unknown. So we, we exit that reality, we enter social media, we reflect on the past or we look to the future. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing on reflecting on the past or preparing for the pu- future, but God has something to do in your present. And in this moment, in the book of Acts, he's telling them, There's something good, but you need to wait on it. He's teaching them a lesson. A lesson that us at 
warehouse, what we're trying to understand is, God, what do you want us to do next? Will we ever get this project funded? What will it look like? We just kind of want to get to the end. And I'm guilty of, of one of my, it's a strength apparently, but Pastor Barb, um, she made us fill out this strengths assessment. And we all did it before um, our new pastor comes, just to see kind of how we pair up. And, and one of the things that I had on mine is, I'm a futurist. It's not like a religion or anything, so don't get <laughs> scared. But I like to look at the end. I like to, I know where I'm going. I know where I need to be at. I know what it needs to look like, but it's being in the waiting that I don't like. So I am guilty as much as the disciples were in this moment. Because I know the destination and I just want to get there. But there are steps that need to be taken. And there's moments for me where I need to learn and pause because God has something for me right now. Particularly in this passage, God calls them to pause. To wait upon what? The Holy Spirit. This is the gift that he has to give them. And through time we see how God communicates to his people through a burning bush, through the voice himself on a mountaintop and then Jesus comes and walks the earth and he says, now I'm taking myself out but now how I'm going to communicate to humanity is through the Holy Spirit. And we'll later see in Acts 2 what happens when the Holy Spirit falls on people. What's the point of waiting? Jesus says, before you build on the cornerstone, which is me, he calls them to a season of observation. Up until this point, the disciples had been used to just being in action, going from town to town, city to city, watching Jesus do signs and wonders and miracles. They were always on the move. Jesus had three years. He had a lot to do. And it was a go, go, go. And he says, we're going to change the speed a little bit. I'm going to leave. I want you to wait. Luke 20, 24, 48, and 49 also allude to this. It says, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay and wait. Wait in the city, which we'll know as Jerusalem, which you have been clothed with power from on high. So here's what we know. The waiting prepares the way for the Holy Spirit. And in turn, he brings power that only comes from God. Jesus uses this practice of stillness, of wonder, in the book of John, John 11, the story of Lazarus, Lazarus Mar uh, Martha immediately jumps to the future and says, one day I know that he will rise again. Because dealing with her present was just too painful. Dealing with the loss of someone she loved was just too much. So she immediately jumps to the future and says, one day he's gonna rise again. But Jesus in that moment was causing, was wanting her to live in that space, in that waiting, because he wanted 
to pour something out upon her. He wanted her to be blessed in her waiting, to experience a miracle in her own life for the purpose of becoming a witness of what he, only he can do. We don't know what church is entirely. We have bits and pieces and as Warehouse community continues to evolve. We're on a year-long journey. We've been going through the book of Acts from the beginning of January. We're going all the way through looking back at the early church and how it became so powerful, such a strong movement. Going back to the roots of how the church started, but here's what we know, is it requires a season of receiving and working of the Holy Spirit, and it requires a witnessing from the people of God so powerful that generation after generation continue to talk about the wonder of God. The disciples, they wanted so badly to go back to the good old days when Jesus was with them, where they didn't have to worry about facing laws of being the face of this movement because what we'll discover later on is that even their lives were put at risk. They already saw what it did to Jesus. They wanted to go back to the way things were. They didn't like this season of waiting where things were out of of their control, this season of stillness and observation. When in fact, Jesus was wanting to perform a miracle in their present, in their now. You see, it's easy for God to be in the beginning of our story and at the end. But where is God in your tension? Where is God in your stillness, in the unknowing? In moments where you don't have control? And what are you doing during that time? For some of you, 2020, it's carried over and you're still in this season of unknowing, of anxiety. Where is God? Where is God in that? God is in your waiting. He's in your anxiety. He's in your stress. We're Adventist. Seventh-day Adventist. It's in our theology to look forward to the second coming of Jesus. But what are we doing between now and that second coming? Jesus was their reason. He was their source to witness. And he ascends. And now what are they to do? And he says, I will give you my Holy Spirit. One who baptizes with more than just water. He is God. He was right there. And he's just telling them to be still. The God who can just create the world with a word, with his hands, is making them go into a season of discomfort. Jesus is in the waiting. The phrase, I am, that we allude to so much in scripture is confusing to some. But that means that he is timeless. His availability is limitless. He exists out of space and time. He is the God of your now. The command he gives them is to hold. And this was to raise their expectation that something great, something was going to happen in their lives and in the lives 
of others that would exalt their Redeemer. Why Jerusalem? Why does he call them to wait there? I love movies that have an ending where the underdog just wins or a book where you just don't know what's gonna happen and this, this defeated one has victory and this, this is the gospel, this is what happens in, in scripture. But I love a good ending and so does, so does Adeline. She also, if there's a, like a, a, a sad part in a story, she'll, she won't wanna read it because she doesn't like to see someone get defeated. But I love a good ending to a story. So why Jerusalem? This is what we know. One author says this, the same place that Christ was put to shame would be the same place that honor would be due to him. He says the same places where you thought I lost is the same place that will birth a movement that will shake the nations, change lives, and resound for a thousand years. The place where I died will be the birthing place of a message which brings life. Another author says, this favor was done to teach the disciples that the reader and the reader to forgive our enemies and persecutors, a reminder of what had occurred there just not that long ago. We don't serve a random God. Every move he places in our lives, lives is with intention, even if we don't understand it in that very moment. The waiting may be a lesson. It may be a learning experience. What do you do in those moments of waiting? What they will discover is that it was worth the wait. They will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They shall be cleansed and purified by the Holy Ghost. He says, you shall hereby be more effectually than ever engaged to your master and to his guidance as Israel was baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. You shall be tied so fast to Christ that you shall never, for fear of any sufferings, forsake him again as you once did. It was worth the wait. So what does a Christ-filled waiter look like? Not like the ones in the restaurants. It's like an actual waiter, like you wait. What does that look like? Like I said, it's in our DNA. As Adventists, we anticipate the second coming of Jesus, but some of us use that as an excuse to simply do nothing. We do lip service to the, to the second coming when we don't even talk about the first coming. What is our role between now and the second coming of Christ? We saw what that looked like in 1844 to sit and wait on Ascension Rock. You can replace that with whatever your current situation is. But as Christ followers, our job is to not do nothing in our stillness and in our waiting, as odd as that sounds. Verse 6, we, re we rewind back a little bit. They were anticipating the coming of a political power to restore the kingdom like it once was. They said, are you going to restore the kingdom? Is this the time? Is this the moment where you do it? Because we just want that to come already. You've left and there's anxiety and there's fear. 
Can you just restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says, not yet. There is still work to be done. And they knew this. But their fear, their loss of control, they're not wanting to deal with their present, not fully trusting in God, made them look to the future, forget about their present, and at times reflect on the past. What do we do in our seasons of stillness and waiting? Like my situation at the DMV, I was not prepared when my time was called. Here's the thing. I can preach the greatest sermon you've ever heard, and I probably won't. Highly unlikely. Pastor Tim can come up and preach a sermon. Pastor Steve, our new pastor. Pastor Matt, he's, he's great, I promise. He's gonna have some good sermons. We can come up and preach an amazing sermon, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, and it may not make a debt in your spirituality if you are not ready to receive in your season of waiting. Jesus is perfect. He is awesome and wonderful and righteous all in the same breath. God's constancy stabilizes our inability to remain perfect within our inconsistent lives. And in fact, he is the same yesterday, today, and for the rest of our lives. And that means we can trust him with our waiting, with our now, with our anxiety, with our fears, with our unknowns, and do things within that space but allow us to receive his righteousness. The parable of the sower, you see, in order for the seed to grow, the ground must be ready to receive it in order for it to grow. And if we aren't putting ourselves in a condition for our hearts to receive what God is trying to tell us, then no amount of church attending and memorizing scripture is gonna do any good if we are not preparing our hearts for God to do something in our lives. The waiting doesn't last forever. This is the good news. The disciples were told to wait, and so they go into an intense season of prayer with 120 people, and as a result, 3,000 people are saved. The purpose of waiting is for the goal of becoming his witness. Warehouse community, we do things, we've, we've attempted to do things very differently, and if you've attended or you know a little bit about that, it's not a weekly service that you're used to coming to. Through our book, our study of the book of Acts, we're still journeying through it. We know that church wasn't simply a gathering in the temple. They met in the homes. No one went without needing anything. And so what we've, through prayer and, and just gone out on a limb and saying, God, we just need you to show up. We're gonna do something pretty crazy. But we've decided to change how we do our Sabbath rhythms. Most of us have a rhythm. We get into a good cadence of something and it's comfortable. And we've kind of turned that on its head. So the first two weeks when we meet in our service, it's very much like we always do, like you've experienced church. We come together, we greet, we say hi, we sit, we worship, we sing, we pray, we have a sermon. The third week, we call it table Sabbath. 
And that week, we actually meet in the Upper Youth Center. We, we're meeting in the Schmidt, but we moved to the Upper Youth Center. And we have roundtable discussions on what was just talked about on the sermons that I preached or Pastor Mark preached the weeks prior. Because we realize that we're not good at having spiritual conversations with one another in, in our community. We're good at saying hi. We're good at asking, how's your day? And we're good at saying, it's good. But rarely do we peel back and say, how's your heart? How's your walk with Jesus? As a community in the book of Acts, this is what they were doing. They were doing life together. It wasn't simply coming to church one day and then disengaging the rest of the week. And then our fourth weekend, which we just did, it's a night of worship. On Friday night, we meet. And Saturday, it's, it's Friday night, it's a sending off for Sabbath for people to start doing church in their homes. And we have different members of this church and, and elders who were just ordained last week who are having home in their church, I mean church in their home, home in their church, that doesn't make sense, church in their homes, and they're an extension of the Forest Lake Church. Sabbath morning, they're inviting people into their homes because if church only was this building, then we didn't experience church last year. And so our, our obligation, the calling that we've felt is that we want to equip people to do church everywhere they go, to experience God together, not only once a week, but journey together, make phone calls to one another, follow up on a spiritual conversation that they had on table Sabbath, connect with that group that you just had a, a, a study with for 30 minutes. So what is church? I wish I could give you the full answer, but we're gonna learn this together as we go. What we know so far is church is having the presence of the Holy Spirit. No matter what space, what place, what environment, it's having the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's putting ourselves into an uncomfortable season of waiting with the intention that we receive what God is going to give us because there is power in our stillness. God has something to do in the moments where we may not have it all figured out. Church is becoming a witness through the waiting and anticipating of the Holy Spirit. This is what I know. He is the God of yesterday. He's the God of our anticipated advent. But he's also the God of your now. Are you preparing your hearts for the miracle that God wants to do in your life and in this space, in this church? His power can be found in your patience and its blessings are worth the wait.